0: everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan, and I am back at Food Fan Headquarters. And today I have a special guest, not somebody in the food industry, but somebody in the beverage industry. The food and beverage industry, of course, are hand in hand. And today I'm fortunate enough to have a brewer and distiller. Guy does both, and he does them for a restaurant up in Uh, North Asheville on Merriman, right off Merriman Ave. And that is a place called Rye Knot. And you may remember that I interviewed Chef Ben Dunbar from Rye Knot just last week. So today we have brewer distiller John Knowles with us. And John, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Stu. Uh, Honor that you took the time to talk to me.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And I don't interview a lot of beverage people, alcoholic beverage people. For one thing, I myself don't drink, but I sure did drink a lot back in the day. And so I'm not unfamiliar with the pleasures of drinking good beer. And uh, and unfortunately, I quit drinking right around the time I came to Asheville. So I haven't been able to partake in a lot of the great beer around here. Um, but John, I, I know your, your boss, Bob um, Byron, from uh, email and stuff like that, and I have a lot of respect for the food, and Bob is so pleased to have you work for him, and if you don't mind, why don't you just tell me how you met Bob and how that relationship grew, a- and, sure. and what you do for Not?
1: Absolutely. Uh, so Bob and I met at uh, the Craft Beverage Institute, uh, which is part of AB Tech. Uh so we both went through uh the uh, brewing fermentation sciences program at AB Tech, uh met in class there. Um and that's that's really where I got most of all of my formal training in brewing and distilling, had been a, a hobby home brewer before that, um, but but never worked in a brewery, uh never worked as a bartender before going through that program. Um and then, uh, see, it was probably just a, a couple of weeks before uh, the pandemic really became real for everybody. Um, uh, was working for another uh, restaurant and beverage manufacturer in town as bartender and uh, heard through the Asheville grapevine that Bob was working on this Rhinot project. And I thought it was super interesting idea. Uh, and so we sat down, had a little chat and, and uh, uh, had made some initial plans to come on board and then COVID threw everything up in the air. And so yeah. I ended up uh, coming on board full time to, to brew and distill for Bob in uh, November. Yeah, it was November of, of uh, 2020 and, and I've been with him since then. Uh, sort of developing his, his brewing and distilling uh, for the restaurant. Um, we are we are what it's a, sort of a new term, uh, a brew distillery uh, that's coming about. Uh, Bob was one of the first people to get the the required uh, licenses to be both a brewery and a distillery, okay. uh, and just the and the idea of I think he had got the second setup in the states to do it. Um, and the idea of, of having both of those opportunities uh, in the taproom model of just a restaurant, not some, not an not a company that was beholden to distributing, uh, really interested me. Um, so some of that was pre, some of that was pre COVID. So things have okay. changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think it's a viable business model, obviously, because I'm still working here. But uh, but just think it's a great opportunity. Um, so yeah.
0: Well, let me try to make sure I've got this straight. So and get it straight for the listeners as well. So yeah. Rhinod is a is a restaurant, a full mm-hmm. menu, beautiful food on the menu. I've tried only a limited amount of it, and it was fantastically good. And I'm looking forward to trying the rest. Also has an in-house brewery that doesn't distribute the beer outside of the restaurant correct so same with the distillery it doesn't same with the distillery of the restaurant yes so we we don't
1: uh you cannot get Rhinot spirits at any restaurant other than ours and you can't buy bottles uh anywhere other than the restaurants uh so we're not in abc stores uh I believe it was the fall of 2009 the state changed some some legalities so we're allowed to sell uh, bottles uh, except on Sundays so we anytime that an ABC store is open we're allowed to sell bottles through the restaurant and beyond the legalities of that you 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 need to consult a lawyer that's about the extent of my knowledge of it
0: I mean the the laws around alcohol are uh, complex complex. sticky mess uh, but it is possible to navigate them and to get a lot of stuff done as we've seen here in Asheville Um, and so that's that's a really cool business model I wasn't aware that that's how that was working that you had it all in-house and it was only available in-house and that must cut through Mm -hmm. a lot of legal stuff that you're not trying to distribute or really advertise or put it into Uh, Uh, I think for me, the reason that
1: I was interested in it is it's sort of, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a double-edged sword. So you don't have that revenue stream coming in from uh, distributing to retail, other retail locations. Uh, But it does mean that you have to get folks to come into the restaurant to to sell your stuff. And so obviously, uh, COVID has affected uh, our ability to do that. Right. But I think hopefully, and so in a lot of ways, our success is tied to uh, the success as a community as a whole of uh, mitigating mitigating COVID. People feeling, I mean, uh, we we get a lot of business through word of mouth, and I've heard from a lot of people like we would I would love to come in and try your stuff. We're just not ready to come eat in a restaurant yet. I
0: hear so that.
1: hopefully, hopefully, this is going to be the year that that changes. Hopefully, this will be the year where. We'll, we'll get through this Omicron surge. We'll, well, people are constantly taking their own precautions to feel more comfortable about coming out in public, and hopefully by this summer we'll be back in a spot where where more of the the general Asheville populace feels comfortable about going into anyone's restaurants. Um Well, right I mean, and in that and, and, and in that vein, we're in the same boat as every other <laughs> every other restaurant in town trying Indeed. to uh, trying to come over those hurdles.
0: Indeed. Well, you guys have. Uh, a lot to offer people when they come, right? You've got this really special menu. You've got uh, your own in-house beer and spirits. Um, It sounds almost like a, um, I don't know, like a medieval model in a way where the public house makes its own stuff on the grounds, you know, Um, and so I love that model. And I want to encourage folks to go in and try the food. Now, I, I, I feel safe going out to eat. I'm vaxxed and boosted. I'm relatively healthy. I'm relatively young. I'm 55. So, um, you know, I feel pretty safe going to restaurants. I even went to a fairly crowded restaurant yesterday. Um, so people make their own decisions about that stuff on their own safety levels. And I always follow the rules that the restaurant lays out in terms of, am I going to mask up? And in fact, I, I mask up no matter what when I walk in a restaurant, whether or not the restaurant's really enforcing that or not. <laughs> I just wear it from the door to the table. And that boop comes off, you know, because you can't yep. eat with a mask on, which is like the big dilemma for the restaurants, right? Like you could leave your mask on on an airplane flight, except for when you eat. Um, and so, but getting past that stuff, let's, uh, let's, I read your bio and you have such an interesting bio. So let's forget about COVID and the worries of the yeah. world now and talk about this interesting bio of yours because you've done some pretty cool stuff and
1: I I haven't really had what you'd call like a linear career (laughs) that's for sure so well let's um, start with
0: the fact that you were born and raised in Washington in and around Washington DC
1: yeah so uh, born in in Washington DC proper grew up in the the suburbs of DC in the Rockville Maryland area um That was in the graduated from high school in the 90s and sort of having grown up in the suburbs like was like most sort of uh, rebellious teens My immediate was I want to get someplace different. I want to see something new. And at the time was fooling around with some glass blowing. And one of the guys that I was doing that with had told me about the Penland School of Crafts, which is up near Spruce Pine area. Uh, so took a trip down there, and they offer classes in the fall um, called concentrations. And so I took a two-month sort of fall semester glass blowing there, and that's how I got introduced to West North Carolina. Absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. Loved everything about it. Loved the mountains, loved the people. Uh, and so, like so many folks who come as visitors, decided, I think I should probably move here. Yeah. And so – through threw my 20-year-old self's possessions in a truck and moved down here, and that's how I ended up in North Carolina and just never got away.
0: <laughs> that's great. So you were doing glass blowing at Penland. and mm-hmm. glass blowing is big around here. Like there's a lot of it going yeah. on around here. And so that's a great draw to come to this part of the country. Same I have the same story. I came to visit my sister who had moved here, and I immediately started making plans to move here from Chicago, pretty exciting city. <laughs> excuse me. And uh, so yeah, Asheville, Western North Carolina, just a beautiful area, and so very tempting to move here if you can. That's the big thing. Yeah. can can you do it? So when you first got to um, Western North Carolina, you told you your bio says that you were living in Yancey County and Avery County. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like living out in those areas? Uh, beautiful. Oh, country. it was hey. it was uh, it was my twenty year old
1: self's dream. It was yeah. fantastic. At the time, it was uh, relatively inexpensive. Uh, I could, uh, I was able to come down and, and I worked in a variety of different uh, glass studios and as an assistant. Um, eventually there was a, a wonderful couple, they're still up there, still blowing glass, uh, saw them a couple summers ago, uh, William and Katherine uh, Bernstein. Um, they sort of had a history of taking wayward souls like myself under their arms uh, giving them a place to live and letting them work as assistants. So I I got, uh, worked for them for about a year and a half or so. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, it, for me, uh, I realized at that point that there was something inside of me that wanted to be a craftsperson. I wanted to make things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I absolutely loved the process of making glass and blowing glass it was the end result, uh, like the what I was making, sort of the business side of it, didn't appeal to Hey,
0: everybody. I'm sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulty where my computer just randomly decided to update itself right in the middle of the interview I was doing with Johnny Knowles. And uh, it's actually two days later, and Johnny has agreed to come back and finish this interview. So welcome back, Johnny. And just to remind you, we had... We had ended, uh, we were getting towards the tail end of your stint as a glassblower in your personal story. So welcome back and please continue.
1: Thanks, Stu, Uh, appreciate you having me back. Um, So to sort of wrap up, uh, uh, glassblowing is what what brought me down to Western North Carolina. Um, Fooled around with that for a few years, had a a great experience. If, If anybody has never been up to the Penland School of Crafts, the Spruce Pine area, Please go. It's, a, it's an amazing facility. It's a great community. There are, are just a, a wealth of amazing artists uh, who, who live and work up in that area. And Spruce Pine, Burnsville, fantastic towns. Please visit them.
0: <laughs> Agreed um, on all counts.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so then uh, uh, continue with my history. Um, Moved to Asheville proper in uh, 2000, Uh, moved down here to go to the University of North Carolina at Asheville, Um, got an undergrad degree in biology there, uh, which really was, uh, I focused mostly on botany, plant biology there, uh, and that is a direct result of having moved down to West North Carolina and living uh, up and hiking, being outdoors uh, in the, the, you know, the Black Mountain Range and the Cielo area really got me interested in the, the biodiversity of Western North Carolina. Um, I, after graduating, briefly moved away from Western North Carolina, uh, not thinking that I would move back to Asheville, and then just through a sort of fortuitous set of events, got offered a great job and moved back to Asheville and never left after that. Uh, I moved back, worked with for a uh, uh, in sort of the outdoor ed industry for a while. Um, uh, eventually, getting uh, uh, an emergency medical wilderness technician. Uh, during the Great Recession, that company went under, and sort of that having that EMT certification sort of led me into a path uh, and worked uh, in emergency medicine. Uh, for a while. And then in 2017, uh, I discovered that uh, the community college here in Asheville, Asheville Asheville-Buncombe Technical Community College, had a uh, program. It was a brewing, distilling, fermentation sciences program, a a uh, two-year associate degree program uh, led by uh, a gentleman named uh, Jeff Irvin. Uh, fantastic program, uh, absolute wealth of knowledge, uh, Jeff, uh, John, and Jim, sort of the three guys who are uh, run that program, just fantastic. Uh, years and years of experience in the industry, and if anyone is wondering how you get a foot in the door and become an educated brewer or distiller or someone who's involved in food fermentation, look into that program you can't go wrong doing that
0: that's great well thank you for sharing that experience and that knowledge to people uh brewing is a terrific way to you know make a good product and make some good money i mean the breweries sort of drive the economy in this town and you, you came here in the year 2000 i came here in 2005 and we were still in a recovery period in 2005. so when you came in 2000 it must have been even more or let me just say less vibrant than it is now you're give me just a second your sound is cut out
1: for me let me i'm sorry
0: that's okay i don't
1: know i don't know what happened
0: well we had another little technical glitch but (laughs) we are back this interview seems a little cursed uh but let's uh let's get through it and uh johnny you were just telling us about um Jeff, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, Jeff Irvin, uh, uh, nickname Puff. What an interesting nickname. That's how everybody knows him. And where does that nickname come from? Do you know? Uh,
1: so he uh, has to go through the process of explaining that. I think okay. probably most of the people he meets. So uh, so I don't think I'm revealing any confidential information. Uh, okay. But the story that was related to me was as a, uh, an infant, very young child, had some respiratory issues. And so got the, the nickname Puff uh, uh, at a, at really as a baby, and it just sort of stuck and still goes by it to this day. That's um, an interesting so yeah.
0: story. What a great nickname origin story. So you met Puff, you learned how to uh, become a brewer at AB Tech, and then you, um, you did, let's skip ahead a little bit. You did work sure. at Wicked Weed and Funkatorium as a bartender.
1: Yeah, so uh, as I was finishing up uh, in the brewing program, sort of had an idea of what I wanted to do, which was um, definitely interested in in production side um, and beverages, uh, had an interest in distilling and uh, was looking to get, uh, I'd never worked in the restaurant industry, but Uh, The business model that I was really interested in was a taproom style, uh, you know, a a production facility that was very much like the way Rhynot operates of just distributing in-house. But I didn't really have any restaurant experience, never worked uh, the front of house in a restaurant. And so... uh, Went over to the Funkatorium, um, worked as a bartender there for a while. Uh, Really great experience working with some unique products. Uh, The Funkatorium, for folks who don't know, is uh, the sour tap room.
0: That's right.
1: So it gave got a lot of experience. Uh, sort of with kind of two, two customer bases, folks who are knowledgeable about sour beers and were seeking that out. And so we're, folks who are super excited about talking about those products. And then people who had just sort of wandered in, uh, the Functorums on the South Slope, they get lots of tourist traffic. And lots of people might be familiar with that brand, but didn't weren't familiar with the sour product line. So Got a chance to talk about a lot of what we learned learned at AB Tech around uh, fermentation sciences, the different types of, of fermentation, and really how uh, uh, that company goes about creating their their sour product line. And so, uh, what I took away from that was that uh, this is a fantastic, like having this business model is a fantastic way to interact with your customer base, uh, I get to talk with them about what they like, what they don't like, uh, educate them about what uh, your company is doing, how your products are different. Um, and it's really taken that to not.
0: So, um, uh, Well, let's talk about the various that, products that you all sell at right Not what kind of beers you have. Do you, do you have a sour beer? Do you have a line of sours? So we don't have any sour beer at the moment. One of the reasons is we're at the,
1: we're looking to, to possibly move into that this summer, start offering uh, a few things, but uh, with our small production space, we're trying to do the opposite of a sour beer. At the moment we're working really hard with sanitation to keep the sort of things that would turn a sour beer sour out of the facility. So okay. we're trying to, trying to limit the, the access of anything like lactobacillus to our beer. Um, We right now have um, 14 beers on draft. Um, They rotate. We have uh, sort of five beers that we would kind of consider our flagships that we're always offering. Um, And then we have a variety of seasonal and rotating beers Right now, being January and winter, we are fo- we are sort of in that a little bit more malt-heavy offerings for the winter time. Um, we're going to be moving to some spring offerings here sh- soon, trying to transition into some more fruit-forward, a little bit drier, crisper beers as we go into the warm, hopefully warmer months. Yeah. Um, having been in Asheville long enough, I've definitely acclimated to southern weather, and I am ready. February, I'm ready for winter to be over. I'm ready for some of those warm spring days. <laughs> you and everybody um, else, man. So, so, yeah, we've got uh, four IPAs uh, that run the spectrum from sort of the more uh, juicy, fruity, uh, dry hopped uh, uh, IPA offerings up through some Sessionable and uh, a really nice uh, multi-black IPA that's on draft right now that, that we just came out with a couple weeks ago. Nice. Um, on the spirit side, um, we've taken the approach of really wanting to get uh, as much of our spirits into our cocktails as possible. Uh, so we made a move last year to try and get what, uh, for anyone who's been a bartender or is familiar, we, we have a rail. So those are the, the spirits that we put mostly into our cocktails. Um, okay. So we've tried to So what what, uh, Bob, our owner, calls is is owning the rail. Uh, So right now, everything except for tequila that we make cocktails with are all Rhino spirits. So we've got a a vodka, uh, a gin. Uh, We've got a uh, limited offering, a barrel aged gin. Uh, We have a rum and a barrel aged rum. And then we've got three whiskeys right now. We have a corn whiskey, uh, a bourbon whiskey, and a rye whiskey. And so for f- folks who aren't familiar with brown spirits, really the difference between those is what malt, what, what grains they're made out of, and the percentage of those grains or the malt bill that's in each one. Um, and uh, yeah, and, okay. and those are not just in our spirits, but we also have those, uh, if you're interested, if you like those, um, you can buy bottles to go. Uh, and we also do a tasting, uh, so you can get a, a flight of spirits uh, you'd get a, a quarter ounce, so a, a small amount of whatever four of our house spirits that you'd like to try, you, you can do those to sample them as well.
0: Okay. Well, I have two last questions for you. One of sure. them, pretty pretty straightforward, yes or no type question. The other one, a little bit more fun. First question is, Will if people go into Right now, will you be there to talk to them about the spirits or the bartender is super schooled up on it?
1: Uh, the answer to that is uh, yes to both. Um, okay. uh, I, I'm here a lot of the time and I absolutely love uh, being uh, uh, chatting up with customers, uh, uh, getting feedback on what folks think, uh, getting ideas of what our customers want. Um, that is probably one of the, the highlights of my day is getting to talk to, to customers because uh, not only does it give me the the feedback about whether or not we 're offering what our customers want, it gives inspiration for new ideas and uh, and really, the social aspect of a, of a restaurant of getting to talk over to customers over a pint or over a cocktail is is what interests me uh, sure. it 's what motivates yeah. me to do this. And uh, as we continue to try and refine uh, our craft of making spirits and making beer, I mean, that's the reward of it, uh, is right. getting to see, have someone go, I really like the
0: way this tastes, and I appreciate the effort you put into making it. So, Well, that, I think, uh, is just one more thing that makes rye not special, is that when you go in, you can talk to the, the guy who makes the beer and distills the spirits, and that's, that's yeah. really great. Um, and then the and, last and
1: Just to, to one last point to elaborate on that is the sure. same thing is true of our, our owners, of Bob. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, if you want to come into a, an establishment where the owner is present and you can talk to him good or bad, uh, the majority of the days that we're open, Bob's here and, and he, like me, is always
0: excited to talk to customers. That's great. Yeah, Bob's a pretty hands on guy from what I can tell. Um, and then the final question. If you were to, for yourself, put together the perfect meal for yourself at Rye Knot, talking about an entree, a beer, and like a, a spirit to go with it, like a beer and a shot. Uh, perfect, perfect little setup for you. What would that be? Sure.
1: Uh, so, uh I would answer that sort of in two veins because I know a lot of folks uh, are not meat eaters and a lot of folks are. Uh, I'm in a split household. I used to be a vegetarian for a long time. My wife still is. I'm not anymore. But I'm also very, very particular about what meat I eat. Um, so I uh, wanted to throw out uh, uh, some props to our, our head chef, Ben Dunbar, does a fantastic job of selecting really quality ingredients and especially quality meats. One thing that we are about to start offering, we just got a, uh, a meat curing cabinet in this week. And so Uh, Chef Ben uh, has just put some uh, fantastic cuts of beef in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to get aged in-house and those will start coming up for sale in about 30 days. Um, So those will be either, uh, we talked today about it. Uh, He's looking at doing that in terms of both for meals in-house as well as retail sales. So if you want to buy cuts of meat from us and take them home and cook them, we'll have those as well. So, on the meat side, I'm really looking forward to some of those those aged beefs Uh, and I think that's going to be offered in a couple different dishes, but that's going to pair fantastically uh, with some of our brown spirits. So if you like a nice bourbon, uh, our bourbon, the one that we've got uh, right now is young. It's Mm -hmm. aged about 10 months. And so it still has a a nice body to it. It's a a little bit on the sweeter side of bourbons. And I think that's gonna pair uh, fantastically with some of these aged meats. Things that are on the menu right now that I think would go really well with uh, our bourbon, uh, either in our smoked Old Fashioned or uh, Bourbon on the Rocks. uh, bourbon on the Rocks is going to be uh, our smoked meatloaf. I think in, in the beginning of our interview a few days ago, that might have been the the dish that you had. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Great. Uh, really hearty, delicious meal that's going to pair well uh, with any of those brown spirit cocktails, whether that's a, a, a bourbon or our uh, or our rye. Vegetarian side. Um, We have some great salad offerings, and uh, I think any of those would pair well with our our house IPA. Um, uh, We also have uh, a a fantastic uh, martini uh, that can be either with our house uh, vodka or gin. Um, Either way, that's going to be nice and refreshing. If you want to go with something lighter, like a salad. Um, and then we also have a, uh, veggie burger, uh, hundred percent made in house. Uh, my wife's had it multiple times. I haven't eaten it, but I know that it is now her go-to meal when she comes here and it can also come with, uh, I think, and of course I'm biased, but I think some of the absolute best fries that you can get in Asheville. Um, uh, and, and, uh, her, we have a, uh she is uh a fan of pumpkin beer and so uh this is the second second year we've made a seasonal pumpkin beer uh just did inventory this month and we've got uh two kegs of it left okay uh, so for a limited time we still have uh what i think is is a uh John Lida and Puff would roll over laughing if they heard me saying that I am proud of our pumpkin ale. So I had to put out that out there. Well, that, good for that you, I bro. really tried to make something that uh, would be appealing to anyone, regardless of your stance on, on spiced beers. Uh, uh, something that I think could, could stand up uh, on its own as a, a good ale.
0: Fantastic.
1: And I've, I apologize to John and I apologize to Puff for
0: having no apologies to program needed, man. And
1: promoting mine. But I do want to say we didn't do it until an appropriate time. We didn't uh, come out with ours until mid-October last year. So there was no yeah, secret yeah. creep. We didn't bring All it out right. in July. So right. I, get a, I hopefully get a little bit of respect for
0: that. <laughs> well, be proud of your product, man. Don't matter if it's made out of pumpkins um johnny i, I want to thank you for being here and for bearing with me with my te- technical difficulties and working your way through yours today and uh giving us a lot of real great um information not just about Not and about your own biography but about things that people are curious about like the bruce stillery concept and just a lot of great in the AB tech program and stuff like that. So thanks a lot for coming on the show. I know you're a busy guy, got to get back to work and I just want to thank you one more time and say goodbye.
1: Well, thank you, Stu. I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for pro- promoting what I think is a great
0: business. Good. It I, As far as I'm concerned, it is also a great business. All right, Johnny, have a great day. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Take care, Stu.